I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. This is a day that advocates for homeless people in San Francisco have long dreaded. We have our first confirmed coronavirus diagnosis in someone who is currently homeless. This person's diagnosis is particularly disconcerting to people who serve this population. And joining me to discuss why is Kevin Fagan, who has covered poverty and homelessness for the Chronicle for many years. So, Kevin, maybe bring us up to speed. What was the news today? Well, today it was revealed that there was one person living in the Navigation Center over on Van Ness, uh, Van Ness Avenue called the Division Circle Nav Center, who had COVID-19. Uh, and since he was in the shelter, uh, they moved very fast and put him into a hotel room. Uh, and now they're trying to assess what to do with the people who are around him and trying to find out all the people he had contact with. You mentioned this person is in a hotel room now. That that seems like good news that they're not in the hospital. What is this person's diagnosis? Yeah, the 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 word is that this person is doing fine, and they and they haven't said whether it's he or she. Uh, but the the uh, protocol is to isolate people who are homeless who get the virus into one of the hotel rooms that they've stood up, uh, and they have enough so far to handle it. I, I want to talk about the policy of putting people in hotel rooms in a second, but maybe generally we can talk about we have a a, a notoriously large. A homeless population in San Francisco, and in fact, in the entire Bay Area, it seems almost surprising that this would be the first diagnosis we we would have here. Is that because this population doesn't have very good access to health care, or is it because we've done a good job of containing it, do you think? It's really hard to tell. I've talked to some federal sources of mine who tell me that there are only 300 less than 300 diagnosed COVID cases among homeless people in the United States of America. And one of the problems is the homeless people don't scamper on down to clinics and uh, ask for tests when they get sick. Uh, Another one is that shelters are uh, somewhat, what shall we say? I don't know if I want to say chaotic, but it's a, it's a, it's a tough environment and getting people to get tested is, is difficult. Uh, So I think it's a combination of both. Uh, people are being difficult, and and the the city is is doing fairly well compared to others. I had the National Homeless Czar tell me recently that uh, San Francisco, Atlanta, and Seattle are probably the top models of how to handle this crisis in the in the country. And and what are we doing that's so uh, so extraordinary? Well, we're standing up uh, hotel rooms and and alternative shelters fairly fast compared to most other places that are big. Um, it's not fast enough for advocates or homeless people or, or the people who are trying to stand up these facilities themselves. Uh, Moscone, uh, one of the Moscone centers is uh, being uh, turned into a shelter. They're, they've got a couple other spots lined up to move people into by you know early next week. But you know, frankly, a lot of people think, well, you should have done that a couple of weeks ago. But as we know, San Francisco can move fairly slowly on on things like this when it involves giant real estate and a lot of money. It's it's one thing for us to be um, relegated to our homes, but if you don't have a home, how do you avoid um, and and keep clean, keep washing your hands? They don't have bathrooms. So how are they dealing with it? It's 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 hard. The 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 shelters are supplying 
as much soap as they can. Some of them, I'm told, run out of uh, uh, the the hand cleanser. Um, it's the, the the staff is is instructed to wear masks and to make masks available for people uh, if they want them. And it's certainly in this nav center that got infected, uh, people are being given masks. So I'm told. Um, it's 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 not. This is all very early. You know, if we check in in a month, hopefully things will be settled in better. Right. The, the the person who was diagnosed today, um, are the people he or she came in contact with, are they being tested? What is the city doing to make sure that it understands um, how many people that person might have infected? Well, it's unclear if they're being tested. What they're doing is everyone who had close contact with them is, is uh, supposed to be moved to hotel rooms, which would then presumably you would test the ones who start showing uh, symptoms. That's the general protocol. But you can pass this stuff along without showing symptoms too. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it, it seems very scary because it, it I, probably most people haven't been into one of these facilities, but as you mentioned, people are extremely close together. Has the what has the city done to try to encourage social distancing or has it does done anything to encourage that in homeless facilities? Uh, the, the, the city homeless department uh, and then the HSOC as they call it, the, the, the street team, um, have set a goal of cutting the shelter population in half by uh, uh, creating new spaces at Moscone and these two new spots that uh, are being negotiated. Uh, but they can't really space people out uh, until they have new places to put people. You can't just kick out half the population and say you're on your own. And then on the street, uh, the, the national guidelines say, don't move anyone who doesn't show symptoms or uh, fall into the vulnerable category of being 60 years or older and, with under, and having underlying conditions or having underlying conditions. Don't move them inside. Leave them outside and space their tent six feet apart. That that seems very counterintuitive. And, and I want to take those two populations uh, separately. So on one hand, you said they're trying to thin out the population that that are in the shelters. Um, I think the last thing I read, Dean, correct me if I'm wrong, there are about 2,000 people any night in a shelter facility in San Francisco. That's right, about right. So it, it would seem that if you were going to thin that population out, that means more people out on the streets. Is that is that the goal? No, no. You want to uh, thin it out and keep that population at a steady 2,000 or so by opening up the new facilities. You don't want to kick people back out into the open. Uh, but then you want to uh, make more space. They hopefully create some more spaces to take in the vulnerable people out of the unsheltered population. And it's interesting because Newsom, the governor, Gavin Newsom, said that he wanted to house all the unsheltered people in California. Well, then shortly after he said that, the federal authorities, mainly the CDC, came out with guidelines saying, don't shelter every unsheltered person. Uh, that would be enormously expensive and we need to do a triage approach to this. So it's it's not a perfect solution. And, and a lot of advocates want all the homeless people brought in. They see this actually as an opportunity to bring all homeless people in. I don't think that's going to happen. For the people who are still on the streets, 
Uh, are people reaching out to them and trying to instruct them to stay apart? I mean, I, I've seen on social media a lot of criticism of law enforcement um, talking to people and maybe even breaking up camps. It, it seems that the federal government wants there to be no camps broken up during this period of time. So how do all of those things play together? It's, it's, it's a little wonky and homeless policy. What you're supposed to do is, is break up the big camps of more than five or six tents, and, but don't take all their stuff. Don't you know, kick them out and say, don't come back. Let them move a, a block away where they can have another camp and so that you don't get any camp bigger than five or six tents. And other than that, you leave them alone. You tell them the space. Tell them to put their tents six feet apart. I have seen camps that are not six feet apart. And homeless people, especially hardcore homeless people with mental or substance abuse issues, can be very difficult to advise uh, with uh, such guidelines. <laughs> I'll tell you to go shove it. Some of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're not, if if you're mentally unwell, you're dealing with a lot of problems anyway. And the idea of uh, a one more thing to make you anxious seems like it might be over. I mean, it's overwhelming to many of us to deal with these oh, things. Yeah. Um, and and for people who are impacted in other ways, you can imagine it's just not even possible. I wonder, you know, we've spoken a lot about the population on the street and we've spoken about the shelters, but that also um, doesn't include the many different places where people get services in this community. And I'm thinking of, you know, any place that will feed homeless people. How are they dealing with, um, you know, those are crowded facilities too. They don't have probably as many volunteers coming to help as they might otherwise. So how are, how are homeless people being fed during this time and how are the nonprofits dealing with it? Oh, it's tough. The nonprofits are trying very hard to space people out, but at places like uh, St. Anthony's, which is one of the main soup kitchens in, in San Francisco, uh, they're asking people to space six feet apart while they wait in uh, on the sidewalk and then bringing them in s- slowly so they can keep spacing in or actually bringing out meals uh, as well. Um, not everyone obeys orders like that. Uh, and the staff is trying to, to put pr- protective equipment on, gloves and masks. Um, but they take a risk. Every time you uh, hang out in a crowd, you're taking a risk. And homeless people... Uh, constitute a crowd in cities like San Francisco and Oakland and San Jose. I'm speaking with reporter Kevin Fagan about our first diagnosis of a coronavirus case in the unhoused population. I want to ask you, Kevin, about some more measures that are being done right after this break. Before we went to break, we were talking about what is being done to help our homeless population, and you've referenced some of them already. I want to specifically ask you about what's happening at the convention center. What's going on there? They're stocking it up with uh, more than 300 beds and hoping to open it uh, by tonight, tomorrow morning. Uh, uh, it's it's going to, it'll be usable any moment now in uh, in, in you know, practical time. 
And and will that be a facility for people to stay all day or how, you know, it's one thing to sleep six feet away from somebody, but what happens during the waking hours there? I, you know, I'm not exactly sure what the exact policy is going to be on that. The, the place is big enough so that you can get social distancing while you're inside. Uh, you'll be able to go outside for moments, but the idea is not to let you just wander off and, and you know, be in the community again. And how will people get there? I mean, is it is it going to be a place that you can sign up for? You just show up? Is the hot team and outreach workers going to place them there? Uh, we know the need is much bigger than than a few hundred beds. So how will they be given out? Well, they'll be selected from the, uh, uh, the shelters and they'll take the most vulnerable people first, uh, the ones who are over 60 and have underlying conditions. Uh, and then they'll transport them over. Now, one of the concerns of federal officials is that even when you transport people from one shelter to another or from the street to a shelter, you run a risk. Every time you're around another human being, you run a risk. So that's a little, you know, dicey in itself. Um, most people in the, the existing shelters do get to go out and be in the in the world during the day. Uh, they're encouraged to, to, to keep distancing, but that doesn't always happen. Uh, they're... So the the bottom line is they're going to take the most vulnerable ones out of the existing shelters and put them in Moscone West so you can space them out. Um, there are so, there are some other facilities that San Francisco is opening um, uh, around the city to to deal with uh, to to space people out. Where are the other places where they're going to put people? Yeah, they're keeping that under their hat for now because they're still in negotiation. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. we, uh, I happen to know, and I think you do too, from our internal Slack messaging, but we'll wait until the city officially <laughs> announces it. We'll be respectful. <laughs> yeah, we'll be respectful of that. Um, you also mentioned that some people are being put into hotel rooms. Uh, your story that's going to be online, um, I believe Friday morning on sfchronicle.com. It talks about, uh, you know, we have all these open hotel rooms. There are a lot of city supervisors that want the city to rent all of them for homeless people. How many are they asking the city to rent? The supervisors want 14,000 hotel rooms uh, to be rented for, and I'm assuming that might even be for more than just homeless people. I mean, you could probably cumulatively come up with 14,000, but right now there's 8,000 on any given night. Nonetheless, those 14,000 hotel rooms would cost uh, uh, $60 million a month to maintain, uh, which is a lot of dough at a time when the city is running a huge deficit. Well, and, and you spoke to some people who say, you know, on the surface, it may look like a win-win. We have empty hotel rooms. We have people who need beds. But this population has some unique needs, too. So what are the concerns um, from city officials about putting everybody who's unhoused currently in a hotel room until we're out of this pandemic? Well, there are two concerns. One is, what do you do with them after the, the pandemic is over? Do you suddenly uh, release a giant wave of homeless people into the streets? That will make no one happy. Uh, and number two is, this is a population that, by and large, uh, needs supervision and help. Uh, you you get, I mean, if you walk around in some supportive housing uh, facilities, especially if you get them on a day when the staffing is a little thin, you can have trouble. You have mentally ill people, 
who need case management and counseling. You have substance abuse uh, uh, people who are going to shoot up in the hallways. I don't think you're going to want that in your typical hotel because after this is over, the hotel wants to go back to being a tourist hotel and having people who potentially, if unsupervised, would light things on fire, smash holes in the wall, throw TVs out the window, do all the kinds of things you do when you're uh, out of control. Uh, that's not a that's not a good prospect. You have to have staffing in there, and that's expensive. What are the next steps that we're probably going to see the city take uh, to deal with this population? Do you have any predictions, or do you do you know what the future holds? I think it's it's getting these uh, facilities up and running, uh, maintaining them, getting testing in for homeless folks. Uh, you will probably see some homeless numbers rise as more homeless people get tested. And I think you'll see that all over the Bay Area, actually. Every county is just now getting its stuff together for putting people inside, the, the most vulnerable ones. Uh, and that's that's going to play out, you know, it'll, it's, it's going to play out in really unpredictable ways if this goes on for a couple of months. Right. What we we often lament the fact that um, it's very difficult to come up with a a regional solution to homelessness. Um, we have county governments that don't report to each other. Um, some cities like San Francisco are a county and the city. Other ones like Oakland and Berkeley also have to deal with the county government. It's it's a it can be a very difficult thing to come up with a coordinated response. Can you characterize the Bay Area's response overall? Is everybody doing pretty much the same thing, or is it still very different? They're pretty much doing the same thing. Uh, out in Antioch, they're looking at uh, uh, creating a new shelter out of a giant auditorium out there. Uh, San Jose has. Uh, uh, designated a bunch of trailers and a convention center hall uh, for homeless folks. Uh, Marin is starting to to uh, look at hotel rooms. Uh, it's all pretty much the same technique, but like you said, uh, regionally, th- there's been some movement to do regional planning. That's kind of not really uh, you know foremost right now. Everyone's in emergency mode. Where can we get people in? Oh, okay, let's use Moscone West. Where can we uh, put people out in Antioch? Oh, there's this big hall. You're doing whatever you can do at the moment with emergency money that in a month or two is going to be very thin emergency money, even with the uh, stimulus and the FEMA money that's coming in. Right. The I've seen some photos, uh, particularly, I know you've probably seen them too, from Las Vegas um, of some pretty what i thought was a pretty startling response that's happening in las vegas to deal with the homeless population what's what's happening nationwide you mentioned that you spoke to the the national homelessness czar um what is he concerned about he's concerned about keeping a lid on uh uh overwhelming the health facilities that's one of the big goals and um and uh, putting the people who need most to be under roofs, uh, put them under roofs. That's the, it's, it's, it's that simple right now. And he has a, uh, a regular uh, conference call with uh, homeless providers all over the country, uh, actually thousands of them by now. Uh, they get in on a big old uh, uh, you know, call-in and trying to encourage everyone to do whatever they can do on the ground um, which 
brings us back to the uh, the Bay Area, where every county is kind of handling their thing uh, individually with their own emergency operations and whatever resources they have. There's not a unified Bay Area wide. Let's all do this one thing uh, regarding homelessness right now. Kevin, is there anything else that we should know about this population? And and I and I should I, I should add. You know, we we at the Chronicle we put a lot of resources, and you put a lot of time into covering issues facing this community and how we can do a better job of serving people who are really the most vulnerable in our community. And the thing that that is so uh, frustrating, frankly, for me to see is that we've been able to um, put a lot of attention on this now that it truly is a crisis because. This is a perfect example of something where um, even if you don't think you will ever be homeless, if this breaks out in the homeless community and they overwhelm the hospitals, that literally could affect everybody in the Bay Area. Yeah, it is. It, just like you say, it's a great example of why it would have been better to have this problem solved before something like this came along. Because if it, 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 the community on the street does not have great sanitation habits. Uh, they're on the street. Um, they don't really do good distancing. Uh, they're they're decent people at their core, but they're troubled people, which is you know something put them on the street. And if this virus takes off in that community, uh, it's generally seen as uh, potentially catastrophic. And you're right; it'll overwhelm the health facilities. That's one thing the National Homeless are is, is concerned about trying to make not happen because uh, there are more than half a million homeless people on the street any given night and collectively maybe 4 million. Uh, it's That's a lot of people jamming into a lot of emergency rooms and taking up hospital beds. Uh, and they come with many underlying conditions if they've been chronic for a while. So it's not just going to be handling COVID. It's going to be handling your hep C, diabetes, bad heart conditions, uh, it's your typical homeless person. You can add another 10 to 20 years on to whatever their year is, uh, in terms of their health, uh, health generality. If you're 50 and you're homeless, you're going to have uh, conditions that reflect more that of a 70 year old. It's, it's troubled and, and you want to take care of your most vulnerable. And now it's in their interest and our interest more than ever to take care of our most, most, most vulnerable people. Yeah, well said. Kevin, thanks for coming on today. All righty. Thank you. I'd like to thank Kevin Fagan for being with me today. Thanks to Karen Creighton for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.